Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. Hello and welcome to the Naked Parent Podcast. My name is Chad Ratliff and I'm your host today. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about residential placement. You're going to want to hear this conversation because you're going to want to do some planning. But before I introduce you to our guest, let's share our community's preamble. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truths, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissolve one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment one day at a time. Esther and Jerry Hicks call it the science of deliberation. We call it the answer to all of our prayers. So on our show today, we have Denise Jordan. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about her before we welcome her. She is a strong woman, a mom, an author, and a CEO. She has one son who's 19 years old and has autism. He currently resides in a residential placement facility And she believes everything happens for a reason and that we're here to serve a purpose and we all have a need to belong and be loved. Welcome to the show, Denise. Thank you so much, Chad. So good to be here. We're so happy you called us from Brooklyn, New York. Can you tell us a little bit about your son and when kind of it all started, when you noticed something seemed different than what you were expecting? Okay, so my son, Nicholas, currently he's um, 19 years old. He was diagnosed at 18 months. But a few months before that, I mean, he's still my only child. He's my one and only child, so I didn't have anybody to compare him with. But since we were living with my mom, at a point she would say, okay, you're calling his name, but he's not looking towards your voice. And he's going back and forth on his tippy toes and flapping. I thought it was just him being funny. Until she said, for lack of a better word, she's like, I think you need to check him out. Something is wrong, for lack of a better word, with Nick. And I'm like, wrong? What do you mean? And so she's like, it's not a typical behavior he's displaying. You know, these are not typical. So I'm like, okay, let's talk to the pediatrician. But of course, the first thing they're going to say, oh, he's a boy. Yeah. They develop later than girls. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be all right. He'll be all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> of course, I didn't worry about it. 
until after a while I said, okay, there's something going on here. And that's when we had to get the evaluation. And we heard something we never heard before, PDD-NOS. What is that? <laughs> what yeah. is that? You know, so that's where the journey started. What is that? Oh yeah, pervasive disorder. It's not okay. otherwise specified. It's like they don't want to call it autism, but it is. Maybe because he's too young, they didn't want to just put a label on him. Okay. It might be different once he grows out of it. But after a while, at three or four, then they start putting that label so you can get the, um, the different services for him. How did that sink soak in for you? Oh, my goodness. I mean, you have a child and you're thinking, woohoo, everything is going to be hunky-dory. You start having goals and dreams that we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And to hear, okay, maybe he's not going to speak. He's not going to have friends. And, and you're like, what? My child? Nah. Nah, nah, nah. Not my child. Wow. You're looking at other family members and you're like, like, why me? <laughs> why me? Everybody else has typical kids, you know? Right. So how long did it take you to, for better lack of terms, sort of mourn the loss of the child you thought you were going to have? It didn't take long. You know why? Because I realized that he's going to need help. And I was the one to get him the help he needs. So as soon as I realized that I hit the road running, I said, okay, this is what I need. This is what I need. Let's get him into the appropriate setting. And it was so nice because there I met other moms and talk and laugh. And, you know, I didn't want to like sit back and like, woe is me because he was such a cute, cuddly kid. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh yeah. my goodness. You know. How did his behaviors play out? What did a difficult day in your household look like? A difficult day, I'm going back now to when he started puberty, put it like that. A difficult day would be getting up at five o'clock in the morning, dashing in the shower, like straight from bed to the shower, not able to get him out of the shower. And if he did get out of the shower and you're telling him to do something, he would be standing there frozen. You can't tell him anything because then he's going to want to scratch you or reach out and bite you. So it's like that was on a daily, a daily basis. So now you have to be walking around on eggshells. And these are long days, five, six in the morning until midnight. <laughs> I'm like, there's no nap. He's like, he doesn't get tired. So you're just going all day long, just being on eggshells and, and in the anxiety and stressful mode. And that happened daily for a couple of months. Wow. How do you take care of you? I can tell you this. Sometimes I just had to walk away, even to go for a walk, even to go stand by my uh, another family member for a few hours just to get out of that space and to just breathe, knowing after a few hours I'll be coming back to the same thing. But at a point I have to realize I have to remove myself from the space. Because, you know, our autistic kids, for some reason, our childhood autism, for some reason, they treat us differently. Maybe because we're mom to them or dad, but you could see them react differently with somebody else. And they'd be like, I don't see that. I don't see what you're talking about. But as soon as they get back with you, 
I'm like, okay, so what happened? It's like we're the trigger. For some reason, we're triggers to them because they can act one way with somebody and totally different with yeah. you. Yeah. That's heavy. It is. Do you know Don Cotter Jenkins? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah, she thinks highly of you. Thank you, Don. She just she just wrote in. So day after day, long days, you have a very positive nature about you today. Did you have that then during those days? Not at all. Stress, worry, anxiety, no rest, no sleep. Just wondering what's going to happen. Will something change the next day? Can something please be different the next day? And I'm like, what do you oh say? My God. What do you say to those people that are in the middle of that? stage in their life? Uh, it's all about mindset. It's all about hoping because each day I get up, I hope for a better day and trusting that there's a, a purpose for all of this. And please, you have to just walk away for a few minutes, walk away for a few hours, do it for your sanity. Yeah. It has to be done. This is like a lifelong journey. And we have to take care of ourselves because our kids here you and know, our children, they're going to need us. <laughs> so we better be good to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Did you do anything else for self-care? Oh, yes. I have an amazing support group. And the ladies and I go out all the time just to talk and laugh and have a meal and just to love upon ourselves. Because we know the job that we're doing. And it's going to be in that supportive setting. Where'd you meet these ladies? At my support group, at school, different outings, different events. Was this a support group for parents raising special needs kids or a different kind? Yeah, parents raising special needs kids. Okay. So we don't talk a, a lot about that on the show. I've thrown it out there to start at least in, you know, a teleconference weekly meeting for those that need support. And if anybody, you know, for the parents out there that are listening right into the show and tell us if that's something that you think would be helpful in your life and we'll establish a time and a place because I'm so glad that you had that group because I have never experienced the depth of loneliness being in the middle of that long day with nobody to turn to. I mean, the difference between that, nobody to turn to and the people that you have to turn to is a big difference in life. So I'm happy that you yeah, got out there. Yeah, I always say find that one person there has to be one person who you could pick up the phone and call and scream and they're not going to be like, oh, you're overreacting. You know, there has to be that one person. <laughs> we yeah. have a group of people, so I'm so blessed to have that. That's great. That's great. Did things change in junior high or high school? Did anything change? Was it similar throughout all the different grades? It changed during high school and it changed so much that I'm trying everything. I'm like, okay, so maybe he needs a new setting. This setting isn't working for him. And it was the same thing in the new setting. 
And they were like, okay, maybe homeschooling will work. <laughs> that didn't work either. So it really didn't get better. It's like things were piling on top of each other. It wasn't dropping a behavior, but behaviors were piling up on each other. Man. I'm like, and that is why I wrote the book called Seeing Autism Through a Different Lens, because I'm talking to these other ladies and I'm like, are you seeing this with your child? And they'd be like, no, it's only teenage years. He'll get over it. I'm like, no, it's more than that. It's more than that because I'm looking at different things. I'm seeing different kids and I'm like, uh, yeah, this is different. <laughs> what I'm seeing is different. You know, he needs more than the regular school. He needs so much more intensive monitoring therapy and strategies. So like, yeah, some, something has to change. And you said this to yourself in high, when he was in high school? Yes, yes. At around 16 or so, it just became incredibly challenging. Is that when you started the process to look into residential yes. facilities? Can you tell us how that began and your first steps on that journey? Oh, yes, definitely. Once we realized, okay, he needs a different setting, then it got the ball rolling because in school they realized that he, he needed more than what was being offered there. At home, he wasn't getting as much. So everybody had to be on that same page that says, okay, he needs a lot more supports. And that's when we had to do different evaluations, packets being sent out to different residential schools, we getting back feedback until we decided, okay, we got an offer. We went to see the space and we said, okay, maybe this is the place he needs to be. This might be able to help him. That was the most difficult, difficult decision I have ever made in my entire life. To hear that your child has autism and to know that now he has to be placed away from you because of these behaviors. If you're not strong enough in mind and body and spirit, if you're not taking care of yourself and telling yourself positive things, talking good to yourself and about yourself, it's gonna be a rough journey. But because I have hope and I trust in the process and that there's a bigger purpose than this, I am able to move on. I am wow. able to carry on. I got the chills for like 20 seconds. I personally face uh, definitely a weekly battle with others saying that I need to go there with one of my children. And, you know, I could feel the challenge that you were faced with. And how long has he been there now? Uh, next month will be two years. Okay. Is he, did he have to go to multiple places before you found the right place or did you find it on the first try? When they send out these packages, it just depends on where they have um, availability, where they have the space and where you think he'll get the most help. We went to one and we looked at it and we said, okay, let's try this one. And so how, do you feel, how do you feel about it? I mean, it's a ways away. I would love for him to be closer to home. And so that's what we're looking into right now. So I could see him more often. I know home, there's no place like home. And the more he sees us, you know, I don't want him to lose that, that connection with us.
Yeah. Whew. It's heavy stuff. It is. That's why support is so important. Self-care is so important. Making yourself a priority. You know, when, they, when you go on the airplane and they say, put the mask on you first, that is no joke. You got to put yeah. the mask on yourself first. Yeah. Have you seen any changes in him over the last two years? Uh, some of the behaviors have lessened. And that's because I say certain children will deal different with certain people. It's like I've seen it when I speak to some other moms. They will tell me the same thing. They're like, okay, if I'm around my child, they become aggressive. But when they're away at someone else's, they seem fine. So I've seen the lessening of some of the, the challenging behaviors. I've seen those. So I'm thankful for that. So, I mean, is it enough to feel like he's in the right place and, and you made the right decision? I believe at the time I did make the right decision. There's always room for improvement. So I'm always looking for that improvement. And that's why I wanted to bring him closer because I do believe there's room for improvement. Always is. And what happened for you in your household, in your life when you made, after dealing with the emotions of deciding, making the decision and placing him, when the dust settled a little bit, what did that mean for your, you and your life and your home? I can breathe. I am not in a state of uh, stress and fear every day. I can take care of myself really now. I can think about our future, what I want it to look like for us and go out and create that future. Because of, at some point, I definitely want him to be home and, and to feel safe and to feel happy and to be joyous and to do the stuff that he likes to do and to eat the way he likes to eat. So right now I can really focus on myself and so I can focus on the entire family of which is an incredible part of the best part. I need to do that for him. And now I can think and do that. So you plan on bringing him home? That is the plan. That is what I want for him. Right now, at a point, so this is my dream. My dream is to be in the Bahamas on the beach because I know he loves the beach. So I want to create that for him. He's a person with a disability. It's like I'm not looking at him just as a dis you know, a disabled person. I'm not seeing him as a disability. I see him as a person who deserves all good things. And now I can create that. And does having help to give you the right amount of relief and everything, is that part of the picture in the Bahamas? Relief, of course. All of that has to be in the mix somehow. The support. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We have to dream big. <laughs> I have a dream too. It deals with when my kids age out of the public school system. And I believe our dreams 
can come true. My dreams can come true at any time. I believe that one touch of God's favor can change everything. And I'm hopeful. Yeah. Do you have anything to say to the parent or parents that are at home struggling with the idea of placing their child somewhere they can't do it anymore and they feel like they can't place them anywhere, just kind of stuck? Do you have anything to say to those people? The people who cannot place their child anywhere? No, the people who are, they can't keep their child at home anymore and they can't stand the thought of moving their child out of the home. Wisdom for them? Breathe. It's not an easy decision. The one thing I must say, though, is like you have a a, a lot of chatter coming at you when you're in that space. And I just want them to not feel guilty about the decision they have to make. We love our kids. And if this is what we need to do in order for them to get the help they need, then by all means, go ahead and do so. It's not like it's a, you know, abandonment or anything. Just make sure you keep in touch. Make sure they see you. Make sure they hear your voice. You got um, this. You got this. It's not easy, but sometimes it's necessary. It's a very difficult, difficult decision, but sometimes it's a necessary decision. And sometimes it's a safety issue too. You know, it's a safety issue. Yeah. This conversation was heavier than other conversations I've had. It's one of my favorite conversations that I've had in recent past. So I want to thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you for sharing your heart. You've inspired me today and I appreciate that. I just want to wish you and your family all the best and maybe I'll see you in the Bahamas one day. (laughs) I'm hoping to see you there, Chad. I, I thank you so much. So good to be here. And we may check in down the road just to get an update if that's all right. Um, and just hear how things are going. Please do. Okay. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you to Denise from Brooklyn. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes And we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long.